Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the springs of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And then verse, starting verse 1 of chapter 22. Then the angels showed me the river of the waters of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign for ever and ever. Well, uh, let's uh, turn together to uh, Revelation 21 and the first bit of 22. Um, I'm going to pray for us uh, as uh, we uh, expect God to speak to us from his word. Let me pray. Our Father, thank you that you have given us a glorious vision of the future, a certain hope uh, for us to live by. Uh, We pray, Lord, that as we reflect on it uh, this morning together, you would grip our hearts uh, so that uh, as we look forward to that last day, that final day, when you bring all things together under and for Jesus, it would be uh, the source of joy and delight uh, for all eternity. So please encourage us as you Uh, Speak to us this morning, we pray. Amen. Well, imagine for a moment, um, if you can, uh, a perfect world. What would it be like in this perfect world? 
What would you be doing in this perfect world? Who would you be with in this perfect world? I also wonder what wouldn't be there in your perfect world. Uh, For example, would football be in your perfect world? Uh, What about Taylor Swift? Maybe. Strictly Come Dancing? I guess we all have different ideas, wouldn't we, about what a perfect world would look like. Some would want to be with their, their, their family and friends. Others would want to be doing great things, experiences. Or we all have different ideas. But I guess behind those things, we all would have something in common, a common dream uh, about that world, wouldn't we? we? We would all dream for a world where no one goes hungry. We all want a world without war where people aren't taken captive, uh, buildings aren't destroyed, where, uh, a world where families get on, where friends don't fall out, where businesses don't fail, a world full of good things, and of course none of the bad things. Uh, in a world where tragedies never happen, a world where people don't get sick, and of course where no one dies. We all long for that world, don't we? It's there kind of deep in all of our hearts throughout history. We've all longed for that world. And as we uh, look back over, over history, uh, we see, don't we, that uh, there's something deeply wrong with our world. Wouldn't it be marvellous, we think, wouldn't it wouldn't be great if we could just wipe the slate clean with our world and have something new established. Well, many have longed for that dream, a a paradise, a utopia. Um, But, of course, many have grown to just view that idea with cynicism. Uh, Too many of these dreams have come and they've gone. Uh, The humanists at the beginning of the last century painted a picture where, where the world would steadily get better and better and better as ignorance and poverty were eliminated, opportunities realized, but uh, a century uh, of conflict paid price to such philosophy, didn't it? And today, some are still optimistically holding on to uh, that future, but many are disillusioned, aren't they? But we, as Christians, are to be different. At least we should be. We're not to have uh, an ungrounded optimism for this world, but nor are we to be pessimistic about this world. Uh, We should be a people uh, of hope in a hopeless world, but a hope that is grounded in a reality, a reality uh, that is certain. But how, as Christians, can we be sure when so many other dreams have failed? Well, what we're going to see uh, today is that uh, this perfect world depends for its fulfillment not on sinful human beings, uh, but on the sovereign God who alone has the power to accomplish what he promises. We're coming uh, towards the climax of the book of Revelation uh, today. It's been quite a journey, hasn't it, through the book, but the book's been heading all the way through to when God would complete uh, his 
promises. The, the destiny to which all of history is heading towards is, is coming to its fulfillment. A, a wonderful vision of the perfect eternal rule of Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And here, verse, chapter 21, verse 1, we, we have this wonderful vision. Let's, let me read these first two verses. Uh, I saw a, a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away, and there's no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for a husband. Now, um, over the years, I've probably conducted 200, 300, 300 few, uh, uh, weddings. Uh, done a lot of funerals as well, but yeah, I've done lots of weddings, and, and you know, I've seen all sorts, you, you, you know, you, you, the, the, the things that I've seen at weddings, you, you wouldn't believe, okay, I try to kind of keep them, keep the, the silly stuff out, um, I've seen brides dressed in all sorts of things, but I can never say I've seen a bride dressed as a Middle Eastern city, uh, nor was this bride coming to dress a barnyard animal, well, it's a strange vision, isn't it? But as we've been reading the book of Revelation, we know what this is about. That, that the people of God coming to the great wedding banquet of the Lamb, of Jesus Christ. Uh, of course, this is uh, picture imagery, isn't it? We've seen that through Revelation. But it speaks of a glorious, wonderful truth and hope that is precious to us. Uh, here we have uh, the Lord Jesus who has fully and finally judged evil. And as he does so, then he consummates his new creation. His people gathered around himself, who put their, those who put their trust in him, made new. When, when someone becomes a Christian, they become a new creation. It's as though the, the, kind of the, the new creation to which is to come kind of bursts into our life now. But on that day, we will be finally brought into his new creation forever. And I want us just to focus this morning on two amazing things about this new creation. Um, and the, on the handouts, you can follow. Uh, the first amazing thing I want to draw out uh, is this, that there will be perfect friendship with God. Perfect friendship with God. Let me read verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with people, and he will live with them, and they will be with people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Now, again, as we, this, this, this vision here, we, we've all had a little think about our perfect world, but here, right at the heart of, of God's new creation, that the central focus of it is Jesus, isn't it? The God amongst his people. And that is right at the heart, the central plan and purpose for the world God has made is that, is that God and people are going to be friends. They're going to live in the same place. Now that is a remarkable thing when we think about it. Why? Well, because God is God and we are not. You know, God is infinitely greater and more perfect than we could imagine. And this God wants to live with his people. 
In this perfect world, God and people will be perfect friends. And finally, that the Lord himself will be the focus of our lives and our love forever. Now, uh, of course, uh, we, if we are aware of the story of even Revelation, let alone the whole Bible, we'll know just how extraordinary a thing that is. Why? Because uh, we as human beings are, are sinful. Uh, and sinful people can't come into the presence of God. Now, any more than a, new, a fire can tolerate newspaper, so the holy God can't tolerate sinful people. And yet here, uh, God will be with his people forever, but in a way in which no one will feel ashamed, no one will feel guilty or awkward. It will be perfect, perfect friendship with God. Well, how can that be? Well, it will have to be on God's terms. Those words there in verse 3, if you look at them again, uh, at the end of the verse, uh, he says, They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And those words there uh, resonate throughout the whole story of the Bible because they are covenant words. God has promised to make a people for himself. He, he made this, this covenant, this, this promise to kind of do that. A people will, who enjoy him and delight in him forever, who will be in his presence. And that will be fully accomplished, not because of our faithfulness, but dependent on God's steadfast, unstoppable love. And his people will enjoy that love for eternity. God will bring about his purposes for. Uh, forever for his people and that love that we will experience there in the presence of him who has loved us will fuel our love for all eternity Uh, and we've seen haven't we through the book of revelation how that can be why because the lamb the, the god's own dear son is slain for his people taking our shame taking our guilt sin the judgment for our sin upon himself and clothing us in righteousness beautifully prepared as a bride how do you imagine eternity well it was woody allen wasn't it who famously quipped that eternity is a very long time especially towards the end i wonder if we could feel a bit like that kind of somehow that endlessness might just be a little bit dull But not so for the Lamb and his people. Uh, God will be with his people forever. And in that place, God's love will be so consuming uh, that it will be the joy and delight of his people without quenching for eternity. God and his people in perfect relationship. That's the first thing I want you to see. The second thing is in verse 4, that because of that, it will be a perfect place to live. A perfect place to live. Because God's people are in perfect relationship with God, that means that everything else then is perfect. And so we read uh, verse 4, He will wipe every tear away from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. 
So in this place, God is going to get rid of everything that causes pain and harm. Uh, No hurts, no suffering, no bullying, no hatred, no fear, no sadness, nothing, not even death. There'll be no mourning. There'll be no terrorism, no knife crime, no fatal sickness, no accidents. It is an extraordinary picture, isn't it? And the amazing thing is, is that within this world, there's nothing that will harm us from outside of ourselves. And there's nothing that will harm us from within ourselves. It will be a perfect place to live. Well, why will God make such a place? Well, it's because God is a good God. And when people live in perfect friendship with God, then everything is perfect. And people will have perfect freedom. Well, um, how can this be possible, you might be thinking. It just sounds too good to be true. And of course, as you see, don't we, that, that kind of throughout history, people have tried to make this world better. You know, whether it's the United Nations trying to stop war and hunger and equality, uh, global concerts, government policies, good as they may well be and, and the good that they may well have done, we still live in a world of pain, of hunger, and of hatred. And the reality is, is we, we read these verses, don't we, in chapter 21 of Revelation, it's just, it's, it's a million miles away from, from the world we inhabit, isn't it? And the key thing is this, and we've seen this through the book of Revelation, only God can do this. Only God can do this. Uh, the prophets in the Old Testament spoke of the great work of God uh, where, that would be for all the nations. Uh, the, the, the God that they served, they were convinced, uh, was not a, like a little village God or even a national God, but he was the universal God. Uh, the one who made the heavens and the earth, the creator of all. And so the prophets looked forward to a salvation that had this global vision of what God would do. Uh, Listen to the words of Isaiah 65, verse 17. Isaiah says, Behold, speaking God's words, he says, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. You see that I will create a new heaven and a new earth. That the perfect world in which this vision goes on where the wolf and the lamb will feed together and the lion will eat uh, straw with the ox. Uh, And and those great promises uh, that Isaiah saw will be fulfilled at the end of time. And of course Revelation 21 echoes that promise of Isaiah, doesn't it? And therefore we need to remember and we need to not be satisfied with a, with a small view of salvation that's focused on me and then maybe those that I love. No. Uh, verse 5. Uh, he who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Everything new. Uh, God's salvation will affect everything. The whole created order, the whole cosmos will be renewed and put right for his people. People, as we've seen, will come from every tribe, nation and tongue gathered together in glorious assembly. 
And it is this assembly that the, the people of God, the bride of the Lamb, verse 9, that uh, uh, appears. And here in verse 9, she appears as a, a city, the heavenly city of Jerusalem. Vast, secure, glorious, beautiful. The complete city of God. Oh, turn over the page, verse 26. Uh, the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those names that are written in the Lamb's book of life. It is a glorious picture, isn't it, uh, of God's people gathered together in security. I wonder, uh, as you uh, heard read Revelation 22, uh, verses 1 to 5, whether you, you noticed the kind of the echoes, the parallels with the Garden of Eden. It's deliberate, isn't it? So the Garden of Eden had a river flowing through it, that the tree of life, well, so does uh, the new creation. Uh, the tree of life for which humanity was separated from and as death enters into the world now it is, it is there to be enjoyed for eternity. It is the healing of the nations. Uh, chapter 22 verse 1, an angel uh, showed me the river, of, uh, the river of the water of life as, clear, as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down uh, the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding fruit for every month, and the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. You see, what, what is, what's necessary for this transformation? Uh, how do we get to this glorious city? Well, there can be no curse. You see, uh, the curse, the, the judgment of God uh, after human rebellion has been satisfied. You see, it, it went wrong because uh, God's judgment on everything, didn't it? The, the, the ground was cursed, relationships marred, a uh, relationship with God put to shame. But of course, God's not to blame for that. We are. But as the Lord Jesus comes, he dies. Uh, as the Lord Jesus comes, as he, as he dies, he takes the curse upon the cross as he hangs on there on the cross for us. Why is there no curse in the new creation? Why, why this glorious picture of this renewed cosmos, this, this heavenly city, why is there no curse? Because Jesus hung on the tree. Uh, cursed was him. He bore our sin. You remember back in chapter 6, that the seals of destiny could only be opened because Jesus died. Worthy was the lamb who was slain. And here in the heart of this city for all eternity is Jesus looking as though he was slain. Here's the thing. God keeps his promises. That the, the history of the world unfolds. It comes to its conclusion. God brings it to that fulfillment but he does it so that it is infinitely better than the Garden of Eden. It's more glorious. Why? Because the Lamb is there. No other reason. The Lamb is at the heart of this city. 
Uh, and there, the focus of our worship and our adoration uh, as we delight to know that Jesus is our King. He is the one who gave himself for us. And we find our joy and completeness in him. And there'll be no curse. And sometimes we fall into thinking, don't we, that good and evil are equal opposites. And that comes out of Eastern thought, I realize, but it's common in our thinking today. But remember this, before evil came into the world, creation was good. Indeed, he could say it was very good. And there will be a time when creation will not just be very good, but even more glorious still, more wonderful, and there will be no evil. Now, as Christians, sometimes we, we, we get in a muddle with this. We, we, we try to find an easy answer for the origin of evil. And, uh, and by the way, the Bible doesn't give us an, a, a simple answer to that. But we say this. We say that, well, there's evil in the world because God gave people free will. And that's a neat answer until you get to the new creation because we're left then with the possibility that people with free will will ruin it again. But no, 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 uh, no. Uh, good and evil, they are, they're not equal opposites. Uh, God, God stands behind both but in, in, in opposite ways. Uh, he stands behind good in such a way that it is from him. He is the source of all good. He's, it originates in him and ultimately all good is attributable to him. But God also stands behind evil. He works through evil to bring about his glorious purposes. But he stands behind it in such a way that he, it doesn't originate in him. It is, he is not the source of evil. And, and therefore... In this new creation, we can say with confidence that this will never be spoiled, never be ruined. It will last in glory for eternity. It's a great promise, isn't it? There, the center of this vision is is the Lamb, the the great promises of these chapters. I I, I don't know what makes you cry uh, in this present world. And maybe it is bereavement or loneliness or maybe it's depression or maybe it's hurt of others. I, I, I guess there are many, many things that can cause us to cry inwardly, uh, if not outwardly. Whatever those things are, they will not last forever. They will pass. And you can be confident and assured of a new creation where there will be nothing that will make you cry guaranteed by the cross of Jesus and this is the great Christian hope and so we are thirdly to live for that now live now with hope Um, last Sunday uh, Helen and I received uh, tragic news of a sudden death of a friend of ours Um, she uh, had a heart attack uh, which caused a stroke and uh, sadly uh, died this, you know, this passage kind of brings an intensity in the light of that news, doesn't it? And of course we can think of others whom we know, whom we've loved and, and those who have died. You see, this is a glorious reality. 
This isn't kind of hopefulness, if only. It's not just best wishes, not something that helps me get over my grief. This is, this is the reality that we're to live in the light of. Uh, on, on Tuesday, uh, on our doormats, came the Christmas card from, uh, written by our friend Chris. I mean, we recognize the handwriting, and it brings a profound uh, intensity to that sorrow. Uh, she wrote in that of the ups and downs of the year gone and the hopes of the year ahead. See, death is a cruel master, isn't it? Except death had no power over her. In, in her card, uh, familiar words uh, from Matthew. Uh, and they will call him Emmanuel. See, God with us. The presence of God, pro- seen in Jesus, promised in eternity. It, it's so easy, isn't it? We slip into this world's way of thinking. That this, this world's view of history, that, that this is all that there is. So we've, we've got to make every effort to make the most of it. You know, you, 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 you empty your bucket list and then you fill it again and keep going. We, we long that at our funeral, someone would say stuff like, well, they had a good life. But Chris, she, she chose a different path, the, the way of life. God with us in the person of Jesus. And in coming to know him, wonderfully, we can know that she is in God's eternal presence now. Is that hard to believe? Chapter 21, verse 5. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Hope worth believing in? Of course it is. Uh, The book of Revelation might leave us with many questions. But here, the questions cease. Aren't they? Because we are left with a a, a vision of the Lord Jesus, the beginning and the end. No, no, No fairy tale, no fantasy. This is God's purpose, brought about through his son. God has a plan for the world. And he invites all to share in it, to come and drink without cost. The water of the spring of life. Friends, my point is this. We're not playing games here. This matters, doesn't it? Eternity matters. And Revelation, again, it shifts our focus to what really matters. In day to day, when living as a Christian is hard, in the trials of this world, when we suffer for Jesus, it inevitably brings our focus into into the now, into the, into the my life, what's going on. And, and that is understandable. That is why revelation is given to us, so that in the midst of all of that, our gaze would, would be shifted again to what God is doing, shifted to his eternal glory, where we'll worship him and delight in him. This is what God is doing I don't know what the year ahead will bring to you. Nobody does. But whatever you face, 
in the days or the years to come, this hope means we can live for it now. And that will change everything. But wonderfully, uh, the book of Revelation ends verse 21 with these words. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with God's people. Amen. Well, we're going to come back to that in a couple of weeks uh, when we finish the book of Revelation. But hold on to that grace. Come and drink of the water of life. Drink without cost because it is free and it is life-giving. Let me pray. Look. God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. Father, thank you that we have this glorious hope. Thank you for this joy to know that history is heading to its, uh, its fulfillment. Thank you that uh, we can be confident that you will do this. Thank you that in sending your son Jesus Christ, born as Emmanuel, God with us, secures Uh, your eternal presence with him forever. Father, we pray that we would keep our vision fixed on the Lord Jesus. And so with that certain hope, we would ground our lives uh, so that we might live now in the light of eternity. For we ask this in his name. Amen.